on Indiana Jones, I was responsible for bringing lunches to a meeting, and I was told that Steven Spielberg's chef was going to bring his own lunch, and then all of a sudden I was at the meeting, and Steven Spielberg's like looking over all the lunches, asking where his lunch is, and I have to like interject and say, excuse me, sir, I was told that your chef was making your own lunch, and you know, that that's a little thing, but when, you, when you're in the production office, like the day before shooting is always your busiest day, and I remember that particular day before shooting because I was... It was so busy that I couldn't even sit down at my desk. And you're, you're like standing up. The phone is, you're answering the phone hundreds of times a day. There's a swirl of activity happening where everybody needs something. And you're kind of like the first line of defense. Mm. And you, I, I think it's exciting to feel like the problem solver in those situations where people come to you to get things done. That was, that's, I think that was like the, the high of, of the work in the production office. Hey everybody, welcome to Pictures Up. This is the podcast where we talk careers in film. Today I'm talking with Dave Burley, who is somebody who really worked their way up in the production office and that aspect of filmmaking. A lot of times we talk about the jobs that are on set. We talk about the AD, for example, as the person who runs the set. Well, there are other folks that run the production office. If you've ever wondered about that aspect of filmmaking, this is going to be one you're going to want to tune into for sure. Let's go ahead and dive in. Dave, thank you for taking some time to meet a complete stranger to talk about your involvement with the film industry. Um, to get things started, um, I oftentimes like as a as a sort of starting question, uh, how did you become first interested in film? Do you remember being drawn to it at some point in your life? Yeah, first glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and for sure. I've always loved watching movies and you know getting lost in them and um and I think the I, yeah so I, as a kid loved going to the movies watching movies and then I did a little film academy class in Grand Rapids where I'm from in high school and that was the first time I thought about film as a career uh, in West Michigan there's not a lot of film industry but so you did a class yeah, it was a little in play. high school mm -hmm. in Michigan. Correct. Okay. And it was it was called Compass Arts at the time. So what you, what was it about it? Like what inspired you? I I don't know. I just remember watching westerns and then like the lights coming back on and like having to like shake myself to like realize like I'm not in that world anymore and like I'm just like a kid sitting here and I like look at my clothes and think it's weird that I'm not like in in that western <laughs> world anymore and transportational effect. Tr yeah, exactly. So that planted a seed. Right. When did the plants start to grow? I think that was that class was probably my senior year of high school. Okay, so you were and 17, then, 18, something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think it was my senior year. Mm -hmm. And when, and I, I then as I was applying for colleges, I was thinking about film programs and um, ended up at Kelvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And thought I'd want to be a film studies major. I wanted to make movies um, and work in movies, and my thinking was, I'm going to major in film studies and minor in business and English. Okay. And film studies because, you know, that's obvious, and then business for the business side of the industry and English for the storytelling side of the in industry. And I know most people change their major three times, but I stuck with that from the beginning to end, loved it, 
Well, you had um, you had a something well thought out, so why change it? Right? Yeah, I guess. Like he had a pretty good rationale. So right. it was film studies, not film production. Right. It was yeah. a little bit broader than film production. I think more production classes were added during my time in college, okay. and have been added since then. I like see. There was like a new building and more equipment oh, okay. over the years, but. So we did some production courses. It was film history, you know, American cinema, world cinema, um, and just like in other communications courses, um, and then like survey courses of, of film. And um, we did. I did a screen screenwriting class, things like that. Do you feel like that gave you uh, what you needed? Like, how how did you transition from there into? Uh, and to you have a career yeah. connected to the industry now. So how did you, and a lot of the folks that I've talked to, there's sort of a gap sometimes between finishing school yeah. and getting sort of your first foothold. Or there was a hold. gap. Yeah. How, what was that like? I did Teach for America. Um, What's Teach for America? Uh, it's a program where you apply and they kind of take people that are, you know, do well in in school and are motivated and want to make a difference in the achievement gap. And they train them quickly, put them in very poor performing urban and rural schools in the U.S. And it's like a two-year thing where they kind of throw you in and they try to make a difference um, by, like, getting fresh young college grads in that care about the mission to kind of go into these schools and and try to change things you know and help kids but then take that the things that they learn and take that mission into their careers beyond um, teaching so an ideal scenario is like somebody like wants to be a lawyer but they do teach for America first and then they go work at a big law firm after law school and and then they like advocate for you know the issues that they learned about during during teaching or become a filmmaker and care about those issues or politician or what have you. Um, so I'm trying to read the subtext there. Do you feel like you were able to make a difference? Well, to, to kind of, so backing up, I, I was, I was dating a girl in college. We both applied for teach for America. I got in and she didn't. And you, you apply for a, you just kind of list your preferred cities, but you just have to go wherever they place you. And they placed me in Los Angeles and so I was super excited about that because I knew I'd probably live in Los Angeles eventually based on my interest okay. in pursuing. You're like interested in film? Yeah. So I'm like, I got yeah, assigned to I'll, LA. I'll go to that LA. That seems like that, it works. So that's great. So after I graduated, I moved to LA and she stayed behind in Michigan. Um, and I taught summer school and I taught at a school in uh, South Central LA, Watts, Lock High School. Uh, 12th grade English and drama and I had a math lab, math lab class and a drama class um, but basically I, I left the program early um, okay how the, early the long after after one semester of teaching high school okay um, and you're so, so and a quarter of the way through exactly I didn't quite yeah. finish and it, yeah so we're, the long distance was hard in the relationship and I think the I definitely believed in the mission. I think the strategy of the organization was a little bit too not not holistic at all. It was just like, do it for the mission. It's very much like a whatever it takes, work nights, work weekends, do everything you can to change these kids' lives. And it was 
and you know very you were like, thrown into the deep end thrown into the deep end and i i had the amount of preps i had was pretty extreme even for the program um so it was kind of made a tough decision to to not do that anymore which for better or for worse um so moved back to to michigan we were engaged at the time got married a few months later and then four months well six months after we got married we sold everything and where, where we lived in our apartment packed everything that we didn't sell in the car and just drove to los angeles um oh wow because i the the idea being to try to pursue a fil- a career in film um neither of us had jobs out there we had enough money for two months of living and if neither of us found a job after two months we would have to move back so that was one of the most exciting times of my life driving that, driving across the country how did that feel it was awesome i loved it it felt like an adventure i yeah. i feel like felt like i was in that western yeah movie um so you land in la what what then yeah we st- stayed a night with a friend and it was awkward so we got a really crappy hotel it was super cheap in a shady part of town while we were looking for apartments and found a an apartment in burbank for 850 bucks a month that was very small with thin walls and loud neighbors um slept on an air mattress for like eight months um and trying to make it my wife uh, so you see you outlasted the two months we outlasted the two months. Either so that or you kept your air mattress after moving back. <laughs> no, we, we, we lived in L.A. for seven years. Okay. Lived and worked in L.A. for seven years. Um, so um, I picked up some odd jobs, but my wife was the first one to really get a good job. Um, she worked at Pepperdine Law School. So oh, she interviewed really? and worked there as a as an editor of their um, and writer, uh, wrote, interviewed people, wrote articles for their, their website and for their um magazine that they put out so uh, uh, she's a writer yeah she studied uh english English? and journalism um, okay so she was a writer and i think they liked seeing calvin college another you know higher education christian school on her resume is right up there in malibu right right definitely it's beautiful it is we just drove we i drove this bus past there just a few months ago yeah right on pch yep definitely so Beautiful. so she got a job. So she got a job, which was enough was, to was kind key, of which help, is helpful. help you float. Help me between my projects, and she had health care and things like that that, oh. are, that are nice Yes, um, to have when you're a PA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and not having any insurance so or PA-ing, benefits. So is that so, what you were doing? So my strategy when I got out there was just ask people to coffee that I knew, that I had a connection with. Okay. And just chat with them about their experience you know ask about what their advice for me and so i did that the first connection i a random connection through my wife actually um my wife had an old coworker who had moved out there who had a friend who was an assistant to robert k weiss who produced blues brothers and tommy boy and some classic movies of the 80s and 90s okay um and he had been involved with the uh, um, scary movie, like one, two, three, four, oh, okay. all, the, yeah. all, the, all that franchise. So. And that was a connection through your wife. Yeah, that was so. So basically, that was a connection through my wife. So, props to my wife for for the hookups, for the for the healthcare and the the job connections. Yeah, um, yeah, sounds like a keeper. <laughs> she's a keeper for sure. Um, and so, 
and I was basically the second assistant to Robert K. Weiss uh, for a time because he was donating his space collection to the St. Louis Science Center. And so we were going through his storage units and organizing and photographing his space toys and junk light like items that that were of interest to some people, I guess, because it was part of a museum, going to be part of a museum exhibit. Um, so it was kind of on the reaches of uh, of a film industry connection job, but that's what you do when you move out to L.A. Okay. And I remember one morning um, I had to get a ride with my wife, who was commuting to Malibu from Burbank, which takes a while, so I was dropped off super early at the warehouse and like two hours before I was supposed to be there and you know I was like tired so I like pulled a furniture pad on the ground over over me and like tried to take a nap and there's like known mice in this building and I remember thinking to myself wow this is what I moved to LA for um because it was, was kind of gross warehouse in the in the valley wait um, how did you end up here exactly <laughs> uh, that, that was part of it so the job the, the job I was hired for was this producer okay. had a space collection oh yeah yeah and it he it was warehoused. It, it was warehoused, and he needed okay. and he needed help donate like organizing it, catalog, it cataloging prepped. it, prepping it, mm-hmm. and sending it to this museum. So I was hired to help. So you you know I that. have so, a I've 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 had I have a word for what you made there. It's called a grip nest. I've come across grips ah, before. Yes, I, I I can picture this. <laughs> I mean, they they do it a little furniture. bit more fancy, like with like hammocks in the truck and stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, the, that's true. I, I've seen grips make with disco balls and uh, fog machines in their mm-hmm. truck too, and you know, like you have to give a special sign or something to get in. I was never invited to those parties, <laughs> but um, anyway, so you're in your grip nest in the warehouse, yes. wondering how did I end up with, here with mice crawling above and and wondering how I ended up here. Um, so I probably did that for a few months. And then the work, you know, his it collection finished. went off and it finished and I was done. And and then I had got coffee with Joel Veenstra, this, this, this guy I mentioned who I knew from college who worked at Elcon. And, and then a couple of weeks later, he emailed me and said, hey, uh, kind of a partner organization that we've been working on this movie with is also a development company called Katakawa Pictures or Japanese production company. They said they needed help with a PowerPoint presentation because the um, president of the company was giving a speech at the Tokyo Film Festival. And I'm like, I know PowerPoint. I can do <laughs> that. Um, so I interviewed, got the job to like help for a couple of weeks. And so I was working just directly with the president of the company to put together this PowerPoint, doing r- random things around the office. And then the executive assistant to the president went on vacation so i filled in for her for a couple weeks okay when that time was coming to an end the this president of the company said well what do you want to do and i said i'd really love to actually work on a movie and she said well that's funny because my daughter was just hired as a production coordinator on spielberg and lucas's indiana jones 4 okay and i said well that that doesn't sound good um no i was like oh my gosh i i would love to work on this kingdom of the crystal skull yes Yes, crystal skull yeah um you know, I strategically pestered her, I would say, after I was done. It was like a casual conversation. So I sent her an email a couple of days later, didn't hear anything, you know, waited a few more days, sent an email again, and and then I got a call from her daughter and saying, from the Universal lot in Studio City, and she said, um, 
we're moving offices. Can you come today and help out? Okay. I said, absolutely. So they needed some manpower. And actually, I, I left another job in the middle of it to do that because I didn't want to, even though that other job was, I was, it was like for a TV show and it was like a couple week job and I just left. Uh, you know, I told him, but I, I didn't want to miss this opportunity. Right. They were they cool with They them? were not that happy. No. No. Um, in fact, in fact, I still had the walkies for the shoot in the back of my car when I went to this um, other thing. That could have contributed and, to and them not like, being real happy. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I definitely try to not ever burn bridges, but that was a strategic move on my, uh, that I made, like a conscious decision. Like, you know, I, you know, I never like to let people down, but I felt like I had to make the better choice in that situation. But, you know, we had to finagle getting their walkies back to them, which involved my wife again. So <laughs> she's been a lifesaver in my career. Um, yeah. So they got their walkies back. I helped them move offices and they said, come back tomorrow. And they came back the next day and helped again. And they said, okay, stay, stay till the end of the week. And at the end of the week, um, I, I was like, Hey, do you guys need more help? I'd love to keep working. And there was like one other person that had been helping as well. And they were like, well, I, I have something next week. And I was like, I'm available. And then the production supervisor called me in her office and said, close the door. And I was there with the coordinator and the supervisor and they were pretending like it was going to be a serious talk as a joke. And she said, <laughs> actually, we'd love you and we'd like you to stay and hire you as an office PA on this film. So I worked on that movie for eight months. Wow. And that's a good run. It was a great run and it was an amazing experience. Probably still one of my favorite ex film experiences ever just because it, it was, it, it was such a journey, um, on that film and getting, getting there with, it felt like such a combination of, of, of good fortune and hard work. Um, but mostly luck. Um, to get into the door there. And then once once I had that foot in the door to kind of prove, have a chance to prove myself and then have it work out for them to hire me. Do you feel like the, um, the, the help moving the office was a test? I think things like that are needed all the time in the, in the movie business, and that's how you get a foot in the door because it, it wasn't a test. No, they just needed somebody to help move the schlep boxes. That's all they needed. But it was I was lucky because they were very early on in prep on the film, and basically the art department was moving from one building to another. Um, so it was early on where they were still staffing up. So it was just great timing for yeah. me where they needed help. And in the movie business, it's so much easier to hire somebody that you have a connection with versus like sending out a, right. a, a, an, you know, a, posting a job on, on whatever job website. That's not how it works in the movie business. Yeah. It's about like relationship and connections. and. Um, who you know, as they say. Um, so whether or not they conceived of it as a test, I know some people do. They'll actually sure, sort of uh, give somebody a job that nobody would probably like to do and yeah. just sort of see how they handle that. I know that does happen sometimes, but whether or not that, w what, that was what was happening in your situation, it almost doesn't matter because if you hadn't said yes and shown up and done a good job, mm -hmm. you wouldn't have been somebody on their mind to consider when they needed something done. Mm -hmm. um, so doing a good job with that, sort of regardless of what the scenario was from their side, it's what got you the job. Yeah, I think so. There's there's all kinds of, you know, factors that you can't know. You know, mm -hmm. there's luck and all kinds of 
of things involved. But you know for sure that you wouldn't have gotten the gig if you hadn't done a good job. Mm -hmm. It also sounds like your strategery paid off. Yeah, at the expense of that other production, I guess. But they, you know, they worked it out and it was fine. And yeah, yeah, and it was a a great experience because um, I felt like I was given a lot of responsibility over the course of those eight months. Um, And yeah, went from, you know, doing lunch runs and craft service shopping to, you know, doing more paperwork type things like you do in the production office, working on the crew list or the vendor list and, um, you know, distribution of the call sheet and things like that, that, um, are part of learning that position. And I, and yeah, I felt like I kind of gained responsibility quickly in, in that role, Mm -hmm. which was a a fun challenge to, to have. And so how did it feel to have more and more responsibility given to you? Was that a burden or was that validating or both? Oh, it was definitely validating and I enjoyed the challenge. And yeah, I think I like, I've always been the type of person that loves working hard and loves a challenge and loves exceeding people's expectations or, you know, or trying to. Um, And the production office is a very, a lot of people I think don't, it's a very misunderstood um, role in a movie yeah um kind of you know easily overlooked so tell us it's also uh, important ed- ed- educate us educate so, us about the production office yeah and just to kind of quickly finish that story um because i did come up through the production office so those kind of connections are what um got me all my next string of jobs um like those relationships um, okay yeah that was so because I, I was gonna get yeah. there as and far can, as where you yeah. felt it led right it, it did lead somewhere it sounds it like it did um so and so i guess we can come back to the to, to the production office but um so as that film was wrapping the production supervisor was kind of chatting with us pas and said well what do you guys want to do after this is done and i said i'd love to be a director's assistant at the time i fancied myself a wannabe writer director okay and I thought, what great way to learn, but by being a, an assistant to a director. Sure. So, um, so she said, my f- friend just emailed me saying he's looking for a director's assistant. I'm gonna have you interview with him and go over there. So, uh, the director was Jada Pinkett Smith. She was okay. directing her first film. Okay. Um, Will Smith was producing it. It's called The Human Contract. Anyway, I was hired to be her director's assistant on that um and did that for a few months quick sidebar yeah assistant director director's assistant yeah big difference (laughs) one dga back end mail money residuals and high pay assistant director director's assistant is low pay a lot of work um very 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 different um so yeah, assistant director is, you have your first AD who runs the production, comes up with the one-line schedule, the shooting schedule, um, and runs the set, you know, supported by the second assistant director who deals more with the talent um, and some schedule things and the, the call sheets and stuff. And, and then your second second who usually does um, the production report and um, other, you know, I mean, there's a million things that those sure. those guys do. I mean, sure, and we that, don't have to go down yeah. a rabbit hole. Yeah, but, of, um, of, assistant director is sort of like the foreman of the crew. 
Yeah. And the director's assistant is the director's personal assistant that does things that they need to get done. Helps right. helps them facilitate their uh, offset, oftentimes. Uh, things. Right. So I was lighting candles in her trailer and making sure she had the food that she wanted um, and um, organizing her script and her paperwork and just kind of being there to assist what she needed to help her job to help her focus on directing the movie. So yeah. I would, I would drive her I'd drive from Burbank to Calabasas and then like back downtown to shoot um, and wake up really early until they, then something happened actually. It was funny. She told me I was driving scared and I was scared because I was driving a $180,000 car uh-huh. uh, with her in it. And, uh, and I took that to mean she wanted me to drive more like aggressively. So, and that didn't that didn't go well. And then, like the next day, this her security person said, "You know, we, we there was a threat against her, and just for security, we're gonna have a security person driver from now on." And I kind of thought that was an excuse, but yeah. I was also very relieved to not have to like wake up at three in the morning to to drive her. Right. Um. Anyway. Um. So yeah, it, that was that was a pretty good experience, and. How long did that last, by the way? So that was, I want to say that was a 28-day shoot, and I was there for a few weeks of prep. So two months. So that was about two months, yeah, maybe maybe two and a half. Um, So uh, the holidays happened right after that job ended, and then they were kind of saying, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I kind of like being a director. Who's these they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm glad you bring that up, because that's a very weird thing about the film industry that I didn't love. Um, especially being an assistant to somebody, it's not a very professional black and white relationship. It's a very, it's like a feely relationship. And it, it, you know, <laughs> you it's don't like, mean literally, I assume. No, or maybe no, you no, do. no, no, no. I, I mean know. like feelings, like, like, do you get along with this person? Oh yeah. You know, that type yeah. of thing versus like, nobody ever said to me, here's what you're going to make. Here's, here's what we want you to do. Here's how long we're, you're going to work here. Um, like a normal job, you like get all the parameters. It was just like show up, um, get asked your astrological sign, and start working and, are, and hope it fits. Things are sort of nebulous. Yeah, things There's, are very nebulous. They're all in gray areas. And all, if you exactly. like please the right people, yeah. you think the sun will shine on you. Right. It's, it, it's yeah. it was very weird. In fact, I didn't get paid for a while on that because because the the production thought her company was paying me and her company thought the production was paying me because I don't know so it was very gray so she had a manager who I was kind of talking to and there was also a producer of the film that I was talking to and the line producer of the film and the UPM that because I was kind of in you know a director's assistant you don't have a department you're kind of on your own yeah um, so basically the they when I at when that job was ending her managers asked me what I wanted to do and I said okay. I, I, I kind of want to keep being a director's assistant so they did offer to keep me on but at that point she didn't have like another film she was directing it would have been just to be a little bit more a personal assistant which I was maybe not so interested in Um, and I also simultaneously had gotten an email from Steven Spielberg's assistant um, saying that the Steven Spielberg's PA was moving on and that position was open what, oh, I, what I what I come interview for it. Um, Different so, between okay, so PA 
Yeah. PA stands for production assistant. Yeah. You're talking about being a director's assistant. Right. You just mentioned Steven Spielberg's PA. Right. Is that so? He had. Is, is that director's assistant or is director's PA a different thing? When you're at the level of Steven Spielberg, you don't just have one assistant. You sure. have multiple assistants. You have your pr- producing team. Like he has his own company, DreamWorks. So he has a, a, a producing team with that, and then he had two executive assistants, a, a main one and then a secondary one. And then below that, a PA. And the PA was like a year-long position um, and a year or two. And that person was kind of like the runner, the gopher in the office. But then you're also his PA on set when he's shooting a movie, which was the more exciting part to me. Right. Um, So I did interview with his two main executive assistants. Unfortunately, did not get that job. Um, And it had turned down the Jada job because of this opportunity. Uh, yeah. so That's there, the worst. So, so when you turn down something for a better, yeah. and then it, that doesn't pan out. And then out. it didn't pan out. So so that neither of those worked, but I I did, um, through my relationships with that I developed on Indiana Jones 4, got a job as an office PA with a second unit on the fourth Fast and Furious movie. Okay. Thus beginning Which a long string of working on forkwells. Um, oh. Not a long string, but I worked on several fourth sequels to movies Um, okay so fast and furious was kind of the reboot after three which didn't have vin diesel or paul walker i think vin diesel three did not three did not that was the one in tokyo tokyo drift tokyo drift um so it was kind of a throwback to the first one so four was kind of a throwback to to the first one um where they got the original line of they got the original cast back it was kind of more similar to the plot of their you know continuation of the plot of the, the first one um two and three were kind of like was it side set in plots LA? it was set in dominican republic and la and gosh yeah i think i know somebody who worked on the dr sequences okay. yeah cool um so i worked on second unit which handled all the stunts on that uh again in the office as an office pa that was about four months and then and then yeah from there it was just kind of a um as you as you finish up a job you're just asking around putting the feelers out there because you know more people at this point and all these people are working on various projects and then it's just kind of stringing the projects together based on availability so i did iron man 2 after that i believe was the sequence um with my original production supervisor from indiana jones um and that was you know that was starting again very early on in the prep which which i like because then you kind of you get to know all the players that that are all the department heads that are when the team is so much smaller you're more involved and right. you like are interacting with the department heads whereas you would never do that like when you're shooting um right and you get to see the whole thing grow from exactly. this little seedling sort of into a full thing definitely so yeah. so that was exciting and marvel was just moving to manhattan beach studios raleigh studios manhattan beach from just a little corporate office that they're in and uh Beverly Hills. So that was when Marvel was was just kind of starting to uh, produce their own movies versus like partnering with Disney and but just to, I guess to jump in there. Yeah, you were doing a bunch of paing essentially and yeah. assistant work. Now, not too shabby, I yeah. might say. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, and it sounds like you were learning a lot and getting to know a lot of quality people and working on quality projects you know a lot of times you know correct me if i'm wrong but based on the profile of the projects even working as a pa you were 
you you were making a living. Yeah, I, I would. You you should be. You should yeah. have been anyway. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, I'm totally happy to share what a standard PA scale is, and I think it's probably not that much different from I don't know the eight years ago that I was PAing. Maybe well, maybe longer than that. But you know, PA rate is about seven hundred bucks a week. Um, okay, seven fifty maybe. For um, how many days? For five days and how many hours? And twelve to fourteen, fifteen hours a day. Okay. Um, you would get time and a half if you worked a six day. Okay. Uh, so your six, yeah, your six day would be a time and a half of a just a flat day rate. So you're kind of based on like a weekly rate in the production office. So you're making twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars a month. Sure. Yeah. LA is an expensive town, it right? It is. Yeah. So that only goes so far in LA, but you know, for entry level work, that's a, yeah. that's a not a bad. And uh, you have yeah. to remember they're covering all your meals and all your, right. you know, all the snacks you can drink, eat and drink um, when you're working. So that's often breakfast, lunch, and dinner in, in a lot of cases. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, when you're working long hours. Um, and they you get paid mileage. So, you know, that helps your paycheck a little bit. It's not quite the set perks that people get um, when you're in the office. So you're not getting oh, forced calls. You're not getting meal penalties. You're not getting... Um, things like that or or more more strict overtime or more like overtime based on your hours um and then of course once you get into a union position that's a real benefit um to the unions is they have rules for you you know you go into golden time or, you know and things like that so maybe this is a good time to jump back to difference between set pa and office pa sure and uh, and you were saying you wanted to clarify the right. role of the office PA. Or, yeah, and the production, or the production office, office in yeah. general. I think it's a little bit misunderstood because it, like, there's even a title in the production office. So the, the hierarchy, generally speaking, goes office PA. Maybe you have a key office PA, production secretary, assistant production coordinator, production coordinator, production supervisor, UPM, line producer. Um, and the line producer might have a title like... A co-producer or just producer or executive producer um, but they're the ones responsible for the the business side of the film like running the film running um, keeping track of the money so the so so right next to every production office is the accounting department you know okay and the line producer meets with the accountant all the time and they run cost reports for the studio and you know they're they're constantly looking at you know if you're if you sh when we were shooting film like how much film was shot and and you do the morning paperwork, so you're looking at uh, the production report and how much overtime there was and if there was any loss and damage. Um, so it's very much the logistical hub of a film, and the good thing about the production office is that it's the central hub of the film during prep, and it's super exciting. And then you start shooting, and you feel a little bit left behind because uh, everybody's out on set, oh, and you're back in the office dealing with the paperwork still. You you, you had the ball during yeah. prep, and then they like took the everything ball runs out through you, else. and then like yes, <laughs> it transitions to to set, and so that is kind of I think um, a lot of I think the the set PA work or set work is a little bit more glamorous, as it were, when you're shooting. Um, it's probably harder as well overall because you're on your feet for 14 hours versus and sitting outside. at a desk and you're outside yeah. in the elements and um and probably yeah drive well you probably as an office pa you drive some too but set pas drive more yeah i think mm -hmm. yeah but and then so i did end up working my way up through the production office to production coordinator and 
a friend of mine who's a, a great one of the greatest production coordinators in the biz christy kwan um like to explain it like this she said if someone were to call the film they would call my phone they would call the production office and my cell phone number is on the voicemail of the production office so you're constantly putting out fires um and kind of working under the producer and just working on all the moving pieces and the logistics of a film which is very much behind the scenes and you know not not very glamorous but i like to think very important nonetheless yeah well it um, is very important do you have um speaking of putting out fires or you know which is a colorful way of saying problem solving yeah uh maybe urgent problem solving uh do you have any good war stories about that oh gosh um hmm there's little things like trying to figure out what to do like on indiana jones i was responsible for bringing lunches to a meeting and I was told that Steven Spielberg's chef was going to bring his own lunch. And then all of a sudden I was at the meeting and Steven Spielberg's like looking over all the lunches, asking where his lunch is. And I have to like interject and say, excuse me, sir. I was told that your chef was making your own lunch. And, you know, that that's a little thing. But um, I, in hindsight, it, it seems like it, maybe it, bring it was, one it for him very, anyway. Very, then, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, um, it, it's you know it's it's a lot of just like fielding calls and it's equipment and it you know it's i think i, I was production secretary on an hbo film called cinema verite and um when you when you're in the production office like the day before shooting is always your busiest day and i remember that particular day before shooting because i was it was so busy that i couldn't even sit down at my desk and you're you're like standing up the phone is you're answering the phone hundreds of times a day you know you're ev there's a swirl of activity happening where everybody needs something and you're kind of like the first line of defense hmm. and you I, I think it's exciting to feel like the problem solver in those situations where people come to you to get things done or to give them the right information that is they that need satisfying and that's very that was very, that's i think that was like the the high of of the work in the production mm. office where you feel kind of important and, and it's like, like it's almost like you're a basketball player or something there's just action everywhere action, yeah. and it's high high um fast paced you yeah. know yeah and you've been there for a while like longer than most people working on the film so you know who's who and what's what and like where you're the answer are. guy you're, kind of, you're the answer guy exactly yeah. people come to you and you know that's that's what's fun about the production huh. office, I would say. Well, very interesting. Can you sort of bring us up to present day? Yeah. And, you know, because you, you were working in movies, right. you know, you were you were living. A lot of people have a dream of working on feature films, mm -hmm. and you may not have been directing those movies, right. but you were living in Los Angeles. You were, you know, r rubbing shoulders with the biggest players in the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, more than once. You know, like on multiple uh, projects mm -hmm. and. So tell us what you're doing now and yeah. then sort of fill in the story between. Absolutely. So right now I'm head of production at a company called One at Optimus and we're a commercial production company in Chicago. Okay. So uh, let me tell you how I came to Chicago. Okay. Um, my wife's from Chicago. I'm from, I'm from Michigan, as I said. We lived in Los Angeles for seven years. And, and so just to connect the dots, the wife that you quit the... Uh, the program teach america Te teach for america teach yeah. for america uh uh same person the whole time it was yeah. worth it it was worth it okay still married she's yes. she's just uh in the house over there yonder <laughs> beyond the bus over yonder yes um and 
yes, it was worth it. And so she actually never loved L.A. as much as I did mm. um, and missed her family a lot. And yeah. we had our son in L.A. Okay. Um, and at kind of at that point, we were both on a similar page where we wanted to be closer to family. And we also were kind of sick of renting, you know, yeah. really expensive apartments own a, own and home. wanted like the things that we thought we would have when growing up in the Midwest, like our parents had, like being able to buy your own house and, you know, afford to go on vacation and things like that. Um, and so we were definitely thinking about moving back towards the Midwest. And I should, I should say too, that the film industry was changing at this time where the tax incentives were driving the work outside of Los Wait, Angeles. What year is this? So I would say I started taking work outside of LA in 2011. Okay. So I worked in Hawaii on Journey to the Mysterious Island, and it was amazing. Yeah, uh, sounds like it. <laughs> but I was away from my wife again. And you literally journeyed to the Mysterious Island. I, I did Island. journey there, and, you know, I, I had my own rental car. I had a hotel right on the beach. I got per diem and idle pay, and which are nice little perks um, when you when – you, I was uh, – I joined. Uh, I was able to join a union um, in Los Angeles and and in Chicago. Uh, assistant production coordinators and coordinators are part of are, are union positions, uh, which is great because it's really a means to access for health care. For the, is the biggest perk. They don't okay. do so much in terms of fighting for wages. There's no wage minimums. You still negotiate your own rates. Um, but that was a big jump just to have, you know, I was paying into a pension and, and then uh, getting health care. Um, that was good health care and not much cost at all. Okay. So that was huge. Yeah. Um, and actually, that was while I was working on uh, at Robert Zemeckis' company, Image Movers Digital, and we were making mo motion capture films um, when that happened. Like Polar um, Express? So I, they did Polar Express and they did Beowulf and they did. Oh, right. Um, a Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey, and okay. I came at the tail end of a Christmas Carol. Okay. Before it was released in theaters, um, and worked. So the way the motion capture machine was set up with his company was they would he would direct every other film because they're very post heavy, as you can imagine. Um, so while he was working on post on the Christmas Carol, we were prepping a movie that Zemeckis did not direct. Um called Mars Needs Mom. So he, it was like every other. So he would direct every other film in this pipeline. And he would bring somebody um, else in. And to somebody bring else would direct these to, these other films. So right. yeah, we did. I was working specifically on Mars Needs Moms, which was an adaptation of a children's book. Right. Um, so anyway, and we that were... rings a bell. We were then going to transition back to one that Zemeckis was going to direct, which was um, uh, Yellow Submarine, Beatles, remake of a Beatles film when Dick Cook was fired at Disney and replaced um, and then Disney pulled the plug on the company and the whole thing. All the mocap yeah, stuff. Yeah, all the mocap stuff and it shut down, which was, you know, in hindsight probably a smart move because it was really expensive and the movies didn't do that great. There was al always something uncanny about those films, I thought. that Yeah, the Uncanny Valley, is it? Yeah. Or, yeah, with the yeah. eyes and the... Yeah. It's a little too close to reality to kind of have your suspension of disbelief is, is yeah. kind of the biggest critique of, of that. Yeah. And I think it's best used when it's mixed with live action. But yeah, kind of fast forwarding to the timeline too. Um, I worked on a movie in Atlanta, 42, the Jackie Robinson movie um, for four months 
while my wife was pregnant with oh, her son. And they shot a bunch of that in Chattanooga. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I was I through know there. People that worked on that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So I was based in Atlanta. Um, well, the whole production was, and I actually was kind of the home base guy. We had the core team traveled to Chattanooga and Macon and a couple other places. Um, but I kind of stayed back in Atlanta and ran the, the home base shop. Okay. Uh, production office for that one. But anyway, um, so the tax incentives were pulling the work outside of LA. So sure. my yeah. wife was pregnant. She couldn't fly anymore cause she was past six months and I was in Atlanta and she was in LA and I couldn't be there. Um, so I, I got back from that film and pretty quickly we had our son. Um, so, and then I was, I was taking work where I could get it in LA. I was working on a cosmos space time odyssey, uh, that first go around with Carl with, uh, well, Carl Sagan did the original, then Neil deGrasse Tyson did the new one. Okay. Uh, it was on Fox and national geographic. Seth MacFarlane produced it. Um, I was working on that and it was brutal long hours. Yeah. My wife was not happy. We had a baby at home I w- that I never saw. And I called up Christy Kwan, the coordinator I mentioned before, who, because I knew she was working on Transformers 4. There's there's another forequel that I worked on. Yeah. Um, and I knew that they were going to shoot in Chicago at some point. And I called her and I said, um, I'm working on this, this TV show. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's long hours. Hire me as the Chicago production office coordinator and I will do a great job and it'll be great and I'll use that as a transition to move to Chicago and she eventually got back to me and said you should get out of that situation because it doesn't sound very good why don't you come work for us in LA as we prep this movie then we're going to go to Texas and shoot for a while then we're going to go to Detroit and shoot for a while we're going to end in Chicago and you can be the last guy in Chicago and you can be done once we're done in Chicago okay um and so I quit Cosmos, uh, okay. which is very hard to do in the industry. Yeah. But it was another tough choice. Um, and a strategic okay? choice as well. Were they more okay with it than the previous I, when you left? You know, I think they were because I I was kind of doing a ton of work for, for a rate that was not amazing. Um, and I think they understood. And it was really like me kind of transitioning out of transitioning out of LA so I felt like it wasn't burning bridges right. per se because I was going to Chicago and it was I mean to to uh, be uh, fall back on an old saying it's it, it you can it's not it's not you it's me I mean it sort of was them but you were trying to achieve other things outside of just whatever that job they had was too right and i had an opportunity that was better yeah and i took it yeah i think there's a time to do that and a time not to do that in in the in the business yeah for sure um so anyway i I, that was probably the hardest project i worked on because we worked six day weeks transformers for michael bay not not known as an easy gentleman on set with, with you know, difficult high yeah. expectations. Um, and, but we had a great... What's difficult mean? Difficult means, oh, this this is out on the internet for the, the world to, to hear. So, well, he, yeah. you know, he's, no, he's notoriously not a nice person, just kind of a, a jerk. He'll yell at people. Um, and, and, and that's public knowledge. Um, just right. like kind of a tyrant, kind of a, 
Uh, I guess Baby comes to mind where he'll just like demand his way, but he also makes billion movies that make billions of dollars, so he get he get get away with it, I guess. Um, so as it were, it yeah. just creates a very demanding de- de- environment on his movies, which which isn't very fun. Which you know, again, I was in the production office. It was not as bad as you would think because I had such a great team in that production office, okay. and they like bosses that looked out for you. Which, okay. which again is, I feel like, not very common in, in the industry, but just like really worked with really great people that that knew that if you take care of your team, they're gonna not mind working so hard. Yeah. Which I feel like was the strategy of Allegra, our unit production manager, who now works she's in, works for physical production at Paramount. Um, but she, her strategy, I think, was um, I need to take care of my team, and they'll work harder for me. Versus other people I've worked for in the industry are like, I'm going to kind of berate my team and they should be grateful that they're working in the movie business and I'm going to make them work long hours and, and no, you don't get a raise and no, you don't get your cell phone compensation, even though you use it all the time, you know, whereas on this movie, um, she, she took care of the team yeah, and I think we worked harder for that. Yeah. Um, so it was actually a joy, even though it was the, the longest hours and the hardest I've ever worked. I wrote thousand, uh, over a thousand POs. Um, and this mm. is, you know, the studio system where we still handwrite POs um, on, oh, wow. on carbon triplicate, right? Because um, yeah. it's kind of old school uh, in some regards. The industry. Um, so I, yeah, I was assistant production coordinator on that, managing the equipment for Grip and Electric, and the heavy equipment for all the film, except oh, wow. for transportation department. Um, so it's just tons of giant spreadsheets managing equipment, rentals, and moving pieces between multiple states and. But uh, it was also exciting, and you know that that same high of like being the go-to person and being, you know, the phone rings and you answer it, and half the time the phone's for you because you're involved with so much on the on the film, and right. so that's a, a good feeling, I guess. Anyway, did that run of was it four locations? Did that did that pan out as pitched? Yes, um, I did have to go back to L.A. for one week after Chicago just because they needed some additional help, which was fine. They paid for everything. And they even put me up in a hotel in LA, even though I'm technically like a LA local. Oh, so, um, but yeah, they, I mean, when we were in Chicago, they, they, we, they rented us a two bedroom apartment in a, you know, a tall building in downtown because, you know, mm-hmm. most, and, and in other locations too, like most people were in hotels, but they knew my family was with me and my wife and my son were traveling with me this whole time too. So they, you know, they, that's kind of going back to what I was saying about taking care of us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did go back to LA for a week, and then and then I was done on that, and then I was like in a new world in Chicago, trying to start over again and figure things out, and went you know in the freelance game, and it was back to like who do I know? Take you to coffee, and, you know that same strategy, and kind of worked my way back into some circles in production in Chicago, and Chicago is a little bit different where I had to diversify more uh, because there's not as much movies. Right there's. TV, there's movies and there's commercials. So I worked at all three. Um, and then eventually commercials is where I found the most stability. Um, and after 10 years of freelance and additional kids um, wanted a little bit more stability in life, maybe a little bit more normal hours. And then, you know, also those healthcare benefits because while I was union on movies and TV, I was, it's non-union commercials in Chicago. So I was always chasing hours and benefits. So it was time to find something more stable, and a, a company that I had freelanced for uh, a lot as a production manager in commercials uh, was looking to hire somebody on staff. So I was hired as the head of production, um, 
and I've been there for two and a half years. Good move. Definitely the right move for for the family and for the time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not as exciting as my work on the movies. You know, I still love the the challenge of problem solving, and you know, each day is different where you're bidding on a new commercial. Um, and the work in commercials is actually very fun and satisfying. That the, the you're, I'm not as excited about the content, um, yeah. but the work is fun because it's smaller crews, so you're involved in more. Uh, yeah, it's it's been the right move for now. I don't know if I'll do it forever, but it's it's yeah, it's a good good spot to be in for now. And it uses your skill set, right? And it's stable. Mm-hmm. You probably make a decent living, and have benefits. Yep, have, yep. And uh, and you get to be with your wife and kids. Exactly. And we we own a house now, like like we dreamt yeah. of in L.A., but could could never afford. So. So it worked, and I, I take worked, I take public out. transit to work, which I love. You know, I, <laughs> we live here in Oak Park. I take the train to work downtown, and that's cool. Buildings, and then come back to kind of our little quiet area of Oak Park, even though we're close to the city. But uh, it's a nice life, I would say. If I don't leave, yes, very soon, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be locked out. Uh, but this has been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank for you having so me. much for taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate that. Good, yeah, good, good, good story. Story. You've had quite a ride. It's been, it's been yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, but thanks. Thank you. You know, I've, uh, I've talked with uh, one or two people about careers in film over the last couple of years, and one of the sort of pithy statements that I've heard is they say there's no way into the film industry and there's no way out of the film industry. And uh, I think that's a little bit fatalistic. Uh, I'm hoping that this podcast shows that there's actually kind of both. You know, if you if you um, really want to pursue a, a career in film, there are ways in. And if you've decided that the course that you're on is sort of beating you up in ways that you're really not down with anymore, uh, you know, I'd, I wouldn't say that Dave Burley found a way out of film per se, but he found a way out of sort of feature film production. And uh, if what you're looking for is more stability in your life because of, uh, you know, family or other things like that, I think there are ways to take a career more directly involved in filmmaking and uh, migrate that pretty easily to other kinds of things that are still film production related, but have a lot of the stability and more predictable hours and benefits and things that we more commonly associate with uh, corporate America. So anyway, I, I think that's something to, to take some heart in if if you're a young person, you're considering a career in film, and you're afraid, oh, if I go this way, I'll never be able to course correct. You know, I, you know, it's it's pretty risky because it's a one-time decision that I can't change my course. I think this interview is proof that 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 concept just isn't true. If you're a capable person that can accomplish things in the world, whether it be in film or other things, you're going to be able to make your way in the world. So. A lot of times, a lot of anxiety surrounds these kinds of things. And, you know, they are important decisions, but one decision doesn't chart the whole rest of your life. There's time to change. There's time to course correct. There's there's seasons in your life for going this direction and that direction. So uh, thanks for joining me on Pictures Up. We'll hope to see you again next time.